Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. So, on Saturday, I was out with my family in the morning. We went apple picking. Unfortunately, the apple orchard that we went to was all out of apples on the tree. They had plenty in the barn, but uh, we couldn't actually pick any apples. Um, I get home. I text you guys. I say, hey, I'm just getting home. It's, it's halftime. What's going on? You guys say, watch the second quarter. Watch the second quarter. Very, very exciting. Um, sit down to watch the second half. And about halfway through the third quarter, I'm thinking, boy, I wish my family hadn't gone to yep. take naps because I would just get them back in the car, go back to the orchard it, and get some more apples. It was all your fault, Sammy. You had my to come fault. back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely a tale of two halves in this. I mean, the, the first half was was good. I mean, you, we had the defense was playing well. Uh, the offense, we have a lot to say about the offense. I mean, Evan Hull had a great run. Uh, the 75-yard touchdown run was fantastic. Um, but then the second half, miscues, uh, the block punt, the missed field goal, uh, fumbled snap, um, and it just led in the absolute difference in time of possession. I mean, they had two to one time of possession, almost 40 minutes to 20 minutes. Um, our defense just, we, we were gassed. We just ran out of gas. They were controlling the ball, long sustained drives, and we had been doing a good job keeping them out of the end zone in the first half. But by the time the second half came along, give him a short field or two, and then, you know, it, it was over. Yeah, I, it, you know, it's – so we talked last week about – or I did, right, trying to drum home this idea of belief, right? You know, miracles can happen. And I just want to stress that for one half, that really seemed <laughs> like it was, it was in play. I mean, going into halftime, Northwestern Nation was lit – because we were in this game. And then, yeah, in the third quarter, the wheels fell off. Um, I think the big thing that I just want to hammer this home off the top, because I do not want anyone to get this twisted in any way. Our defense was friggin' awesome in this game. And we are going to talk about things later where it's, you know, relative to Minnesota, there are a couple things that we're going to illustrate that are that kind of dovetail with this. And the degree to which a defense needs help, any help for the love of God, some help um, to to put together, you know, a truly great performance. But, I mean, taking the first half as a microcosm, this is a defense that gave up 10 points to a Michigan offense with a potent rushing attack. Um and in a situation where the our offense possessed the ball five minutes in the first half, our defense was on the field basically the entire half. And despite that, these guys put together a, a Herculean effort. And again, it's like that's not sustainable forever. It's just the wheels are going to fall off eventually if the guys never get any help ever. And, you know, again... Michigan scored 33 points at the end of the day, but what did they have, like a 15-yard touchdown drive and a 25-yard touchdown drive? Like, defense can't do anything about that, right? Um, And I think it's just, 
handcuffed to just the ball and chain that was our offense and our special teams in this game, the defense just absolutely balled out. So I think off the top, it's really important for everyone to, 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 to step back and appreciate, right, that beginning with that two-week break and then the Rutgers game, like we've, we're seeing the character of the Northwestern defense that we expect, right? The character we associate with Northwestern and with Pat Fitzgerald, the character that was sorely missing for the first half of the season, we're seeing that defense now. So again, yeah, a lot of things that have to get fixed, but we can at least point to this as one thing that is, you know, a rocket steadily going upward. Well, I know I'm belaboring the point here, but I want to pause and just like, we, we all felt really unmoored the first five weeks of the season because it was, I don't know, the worst defense we've watched in a decade in 15 years. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a long time. And, yeah. w- like, this is a more familiar place to be, right? Like, that Michigan game felt very much like Michigan games we've seen in the past where I, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting what year it was, but the year that um, Damian Proby was the middle linebacker for Northwestern, we wore like the bloody flag uniforms for a night game oh, against yeah. Michigan, yep, right? Yep, yep. Um, it was tight at half, and then I believe we lost by two touchdowns, something like that. Like they just ran away in the second half. Like this, I'm not suggesting I'm happy about it. I'm not suggesting that Northwestern couldn't have played better. They absolutely should have. Um, I'm not suggesting that all is hunky dory for the rest of the season here. But um, given that you know Michigan seems to be, you know, relatively back to being the Michigan of 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 you would usually expect. Um, we're at least in a place that is more familiar. And I feel I'm, I'm still quite anxious about the, the forthcoming Northwestern games, but um, I at least feel like my head is screwed on straight because I'm looking at the world and it's right side up again. Absolutely. And it's every week. Well, not every week, but I feel like we've been talking about, I think if you've been following and we've been trying to map it out since the beginning of the season, the specific areas of concern for this Northwestern defense, right, and problems and things, and then leaks, you kind of feel like leaks are being plugged and negatives are being turned into positives on like a player basis, on a week-to-week basis. We've talked about Bryce Gallagher for several weeks, right? Um, Someone who's more from a guy who was you know, lost out there at the beginning of the season to a guy who suddenly it clicked and the game slowed down for him. This is a guy who had, you know, 14 tackles in this game, right? Um, Was in on 14 tackles in this game. But the guy who took the leap this week was Coco Azuma. Oh my God, Coco Azuma was everywhere. He is certainly one of these guys, right, who was figuring it out at the start of the year and had some issues and then some injury issues, right? Was playing with a club for a while, um, and I mean, talk about it clicking for a guy. He's one of the big 10, uh, defensive players of the week, right? Or is it the NCAA defensive players of the week? Like he's uh, pro football focus, pro football focus, defensive players of the week. I mean, he went absolutely out of his mind, right? I mean, he had 10 solo tackles. Um, and to say it has, te- he had 10 solo tackles, sells it short. He saved a touchdown twice on the final drive of the first half. He tackled a guy where if he didn't tackle that tight end, that was a touchdown for Michigan. And the next play, he forced the fumble that effectively ended the first half. Um, played out of his mind. And again, you you start switching negatives to positives like this. And suddenly the character of this defense has really changed really rapidly where suddenly you're like, well, 
Lord have mercy, like A.J. Hampton is still leading the Big Ten in passes defensed. Our other corner is Cam Mitchell. Our safeties are Brandon Joseph and Coco Azima playing like this. And then like Bryce Gallagher's getting better. You know Bergen. It's like you're starting to see the holes in the character and the performances matching it. So again, it's like I just see the forest through the trees. Do not get lost in the fact that this was a 33-7 to game. The defense didn't have nothing to do with that. They played great. And uh, taking it into this five-game season is going to be huge. Yeah, there were real problems in this game. We're about to get into them. But, yeah, defense yeah, wasn't I, that. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, going with the time of possession, you know, two to one, Michigan was sustaining drives. We had 10 first downs the entire game. Uh, you know, four of 14 on third down, one of two on fourth down. Ryan Holinsky had his worst game as a Northwestern player. He was he was off. I mean, things just it wasn't. You know, he was getting hurried. He was getting harassed. Uh, obviously, when Ethan Whitaker went out, uh, the offensive line had to shift around, and it seemed like that was you know created even more problems. But uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson played. You know, he was in the backfield as much as Evan Hull was. Yeah, he he was. Um... A dom- it was a dominant defensive performance from Aiden Hutchinson, and Michigan looked pretty darn good on defense. I think the the strategy from Northwestern was very apparent out of the gate. I mean, we we tested with the run a couple times, um, but there wasn't there wasn't much happening there, and it was a screen game. It was a lot of wide rescre- wide receiver screens to the outside. I think I think when I when I looked. Um, the first uh what one two three four five six drives or so like a third of the passes northwestern threw were screen plays um which makes a lot of sense right like this is the sort of thing michigan has struggled to defend on the edges we talked about it with Rutgers. um you heard the broadcasters talking about it during the game I, it was you know a way to neutralize their pass rush and and i you know with with a couple exceptions northwestern did a pretty good job early on the problem is is uh execution as we've been talking about most of the year at least three or four uh, deflected balls, a couple like very dangerously deflected balls. Um, you had a bad snap, um, and then you just had some some overthrows. Like I, you know, Holinsky went deep to Triple J a couple times and just threw too high. And one on one of those passes, uh, uh, JJ seemed to like hesitate for a split second, like they almost misread the ball. Maybe I, I'm not exactly sure, but it just the offense just wasn't clicking. It. I mean, at half it felt like. Gosh, we're so close to to laser, like locking in some of these big passes, and there's the opportunity here to explode in the second half. And instead, the opposite happened. And you had a you had Stephon Robinson go out to injury, and then the miscues after that first drive, which was really really good, just started to pile up. And I think you know by the time you got, I think most people are thinking about the, the you know the late third and fourth quarters where this game really went off the rails. Halinski had really lost his accuracy, his comfort in the pocket, you know, with Wiedeker being out, the O-line being shifted around, it was very difficult for him to feel comfortable in the pocket and and it really it really looked rough down the stretch, but up until midway through the third quarter, like Northwestern was totally in this game. I mean, up until that punt block, right? Uh so it just it sucks because you felt like they were getting really close and um I don't know. We, like at the same time, it feels like we're still so far away from a competent offense. It's it's so weird because it's it's bizarre to juxtapose you know Bajakian with 
Mick McCall, right, and the approach to this game, right? Because we all know, like, Mick McCall's throwing Evan Hall into the line like 20 times in this game. And we'd be tearing our hair out for a lot of that. And, like, the way that it would be being executed would have us tearing our hair out. But it's kind of wild because you go from that to to what Bajakian's trying to do, which is he's he's looking and he's being like, look, like, our offensive line. And it's it, it's funny because you talk about Aiden Hutchinson in the game he had, he made his bones against the run. The defensive line all did. And it's really funny how like one sack, which, you know, can have the effect of kind of presenting this idea that Michigan's pass rush was great all day. It wasn't. Like Scuzz said, until our offensive line got, you know, all thrown out of whack because of the injury to Whitaker late in the game, the offensive line gave up one sack. And aside from that, like, Ryan Olinsky was throwing incomplete passes from a clean pocket. And yeah, some of that stuff was batted down. But again, it's like Kalinsky was just off. But against the run, they were really stout. But it's just funny because we as a Northwestern fan base still bear the deep scars of the McCall era and backs being just thrown into the line again and again and again. And now we're in this weird position with Evan Hall. And, you know, we tweeted this out where it's like, it is so weird because Northwestern's offensive line will get complete, or, or run game will get completely stymied in a game like this. And yet, Evan Hall is on pace to have a season that, if Northwestern goes to a bowl game, is going to parallel Venerick Marks' All American season running the ball so similarly. He's on pace for such a similar season. Um, right now, Hall's on pace for 1,100 yards at 6.4 a clip. Venerick finished with 1,366 at 6 yards a clip. But remember, that includes a bowl game so and, and a lot more carries. So it's, it's weird, though, because we all know, like, Hall, you know, we'll get stuffed at the line. This game being a perfect example, Hall was totally stuffed at the line five times. The sixth carry went for 75 yards. So if you're an offensive coordinator, what do you do with that? Because you're watching the offense get totally stuffed at running the ball again and again and again. But then like that one random time, Hull is going to break it. And it's rough. It's like, yeah, Hull's not Justin Jackson. He's not a guy who's just going to pound for four yards on any random carry, right? So it's just, it's weird because again, we have a back who's on pace to easily break a thousand yards here. And yet our offense, our, our run game is kind of an issue. But well, I, but at the same time, I think it was so clear that we weren't going to run to win in this game. Like, oh, well, it, just, it was just oh, the wrong matchup for oh, the defense, oh, and, right? And cre- and credit credit where credit is due, right? Again, th- and this is the other big thing that I talked about earlier with Hutchinson, right? Mike Bajakian knows his offensive line is protecting well against the pass right now. Um, just to uh, just to underscore that point of the twenty four passes that Halinski threw on those first twenty four uh, on those first six drives. Six of those were like medium to deep depth passes. Like he had time to throw. It wasn't until late in the game, like we said earlier, that things started to go off the rails from a pass pro standpoint. And that sack, right, was a really slowly developing play with a bunch of well, deep routes. Where, well, yeah, yes, and someone got beat real bad on that on that sack yeah, too. But, and but again, like three three Wolverines met at the at the line. I mean, I, but if, but. If not for that, for the for the kind of the lost block in the in the in the center of the line, I think Kalinsky can step up. But still, he held the ball long and he got sacked, and it was one play, right? 
Right, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, so Northwestern is something around like 40th in the nation in sacks given up right now. And that doesn't even really cover it. Northwestern's given up 13 sacks this season. Eight of those were in two games, the Nebraska game and the Michigan State game. Aside from those two games, Northwestern's giving up one sack a game. So it's like, if you're Bajakian, right, he's thinking, look, I'm getting my pass pro, so if I can find ways to move the ball down the field. And this this is something that I think we wanted to talk about because the there's this issue where, right, Scuzz mentioned it earlier, that the the game plan against Michigan State was really solid and was based around a lot of screens. Now, the majority of those were wide receiver screens. And again, and this 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 applied to Rutgers also. It's going to apply to teams going forward. Like, again, don't lose the forest through the trees with the fact that Aiden Hutchinson, their ballyhooed guy, had a sack in this game. Michigan had one sack. What you've been seeing, and this goes all the way back to, like, Duke, teams not getting pressure with four, so they start bringing heat. And wide yeah, Michigan rec- brought five or six almost. Yeah, right. Every Mich- passing down. Exactly. And and the thing is, it's a natural progression because they're trying to get to the quarterback. And what you saw Michigan do was right, either bringing five or six, or and credit where credit is due. And this is an important thing because Northwestern was starved for this for so many years. If they bring four. Then they go man and the safeties help over the top on the wide receivers because our wide receivers will burn a cornerback over the top. It's pretty well established at this point in the season. Like those guys have the jets to get that done. And this takes us to an issue. I mean, you talked about it earlier. Execution. Execution problems. And in this game in particular, you saw three plays hit a defensive lineman's hand or hit a helmet or something like that. The general inaccuracy of Halinski in a clean pocket, which again is like he's been more accurate than that in this season. We're going to need it in the other games going forward. But one specific thing I was just, you know, tearing my hair out in this game because it came up a couple of times and it's been something that's come up all throughout the season is screens, but specifically running back screens. And if you've been watching Northwestern from the start of the season, you know that this is just, we are so snake bit on this specific play. And it's a mess. And it stinks because Hall is a perfect back to throw screens with. And this game became kind of a microcosm of that. And like Scott says, we threw a lot of screens. A bunch of those screens were wide receiver screens. Well, the thing is, if a cornerback's playing really tight, man, a wide receiver screen becomes difficult to run. But there are all these situations where Northwestern ends up in a third and five, third and six, third and seven. And you've got two situations where, like Scuzz said, the defense is bringing either five or six on third down because, again, credit where credit is due, they're not getting there with four or they're bringing four and they're playing man and they're helping out on man deep with the safeties to prevent going over the top. Either way, you beat that with the same thing, a running back screen. And there is this, I've been like working on this super cut of this throughout the entire season. The amount of times where we have called a running back screen, and it has been the exact right play call. And Evan Hall or Andrew Clare is standing out in the flat with three trench cats in front of him. And then he watches the ball travel to him by covered wagon. And either it lands at his feet 
or it takes so long and is so off target that the mechanics of the play are totally blown up. And this happened several times in the Michigan game. And it's just, it so stinks because again, it's like execution things have been such a problem for this offense. Early on, it was penalties. Early on, it was interior pass production protection. Early on, it was horrible turnovers on the mechanics of plays, just handoff errors and things like that. Or play calls inside the 10 that set the offense up for failure or to create a turnover, right? And the screens thing has been carrying all the way through. And it's just like, it stinks because it's like, this is just an execution thing. And if we just straighten this out, it's going to help the offense out so much. But, you know... Yeah. So I have I have a slightly different read on the on the screen game in this game, and that's that like the first one we ran was that third and sixteen deep in our territory that Evan Hull turned into a twenty yard gain for a phenomenal you know first down, and then uh, we we ran a second in the second screen. in the second half right, and then in the second half we ran a we we ran a second screen shortly thereafter. Well, maybe it was it, it we ran a second screen that. Uh, Michigan's middle linebacker diagnosed and kind of blew up in the middle of like, like basically went out and covered the running back and was right there to knock the pass down. Uh, the pass was thrown short, maybe intentionally. And that's like, there's a, there's one thing I can't, I can't quite tell on some of these passes that are either like slightly too far in front of wide receivers when, when Holinsky is kind of running for his life or like that screen that, that, you know, went essentially to the feet of, of Evan Hall. If, if, if some of these are, are throws designed to um, kind of safely avoid a pick uh, versus trying to put something in too tight a coverage and I or too tight a window, and I like, I guess, I guess the big takeaway for me is if I step back and I and and you know coming off the Rutgers game, we talked about this last week, right? The level that we saw Northwestern get to in the Rutgers game, if that's the high watermark for the season. Northwestern ain't winning many more it's games. It's trouble. That's trouble. Yeah. They need to build on that and get to a higher level of execution in the offense. And we didn't see that today. We saw the defense get like played their best game of the year, I thought. Um the offense took a little bit of a step back and I like I'm going to give a little bit of grace because that's a pretty tough environment against a pretty ferocious uh uh front seven and it, it, it didn't go well, but I can I can understand that. And I think, to me, the gigantic test comes against a much less uh, fearsome defense in the friendly confines of Ryan Field this weekend against Minnesota. And let's see if they can't get back to that Rutgers level of execution and maybe even a little bit better because that's going to portend a much different uh, experience in these last, what, six games of the year than what we saw yet, uh, this past Saturday. Yeah, and I, I I do want to I do want to pivot to that Minnesota game. Um, is there any John? You you were about to make one one point. Was yeah, there anything what, else we wanted well, to? So first of all, the, here? the really quick thing was just that like the the big thing in this game was like let's say we couldn't run against Michigan, right? Which it seemed pretty clear that we couldn't. You know, unless Evan Hull was going to break every sixth carry for seventy five yards. Um, the look at Purdue, right? Purdue throws to run, right, and. And a lot of the time it, it works for them. And if Holinsky had been more accurate, if the execution on some of these screenplays, et cetera, had been more accurate, that's how we cobble together an offense in a game like this where you can't run the ball. And I bring this up because it's like Wisconsin's coming down the pipe. And it's like, if we're going to move any, any, you know, if we're going to get any yards against Wisconsin, that's probably how we're going to have to get them. 
The main thing, though, and we we got to talk about it before we leave the Michigan game. We just got to. Special teams. Special teams. Yeah. Lord, I mean, it's... I, I had I, I had mental block there. I mean, we <laughs> did say we were going to talk about you're, it, but you're, I... You repressed I, it. I, I'm I, repressing yeah. it. What is the deal with our special teams? I mean, in the I mean, postgame I mean, press conference, the missed field goal... That said, it was not just Kubander. It was the snap. It was the whole. I mean, I was watching that play really closely. We watched that replay a bunch of times. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, Uh, There was, I mean, there was definitely some swirling wind in the stadium. I saw like um, the Michigan, one of the Michigan field goals. Like it moved a lot in the air. So, but um, Kubander's just struggling right now. And when you multiply that with, you know kind of poor decisions uh and 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 hesitancy on in the return game. I mean this is our worst game in terms of returning the ball on kickoffs and punts. Um and then bad co- decisions too. I mean like we could have taken yeah. fair catches and I mean yeah. wait, wait, every every kickoff I yeah. look at, you know, did we get plus or minus the twenty five? Right. I think we came up short three times. And, and then and, and then yeah. the block punt, right? And, and, and the block punt. Yep. I just rewatched it was a low snap. Um you know, you can potentially quibble quibble with decisions that were made on the outside in terms of blocking, giving that guy a free release, holding him up just enough before the gunners get downfield. I don't know, but like the combination of factors that was the back that was the backbreaker to me. Like because rewatching everything up until that point, like Northwestern was still like their heads were in the game offensively. They were still you know doing the right things. Um, and maybe just like the timing of the Weedeker injury, like really, you know, hurt the the uh, the tenacity of the O line thereafter. But um, and let's not undersell the uh, the Stephon Robinson injury too. I mean that that hurt as well. Oh like, sure, absolutely. It, it, but it, it did. But but the wheels seemed to come off after that punt when Weedeker went it's out. It's yeah. the it's the two. That, but I mean those two plays, the missed field goal and then the block punt, they happened so close to each other, and that was when the wheels fell off. I mean, you, we forget. After we missed that field goal, we immediately got the ball back, Three and, out. and it's and yep. it's like you we would have had the ball down seventeen ten, um, and and the that that drive started with a bullet pass uh, completed to Malik Robin uh, to Malik Washington for five yards, and then um, we ran the the pitch play to Hall that we'd run or, or we'd run it to Claire, I think earlier in the game for a first down and we ran it to Hall and Michigan just, you know, they, they were all over it and, uh, and stuffed it. And then it looked like Genson Hooper price had a step on the, on the defender and was going to be able to get, you know, around the corner for, for a nice first down on third down. And the pass was just too high. And that's a, and it's another example of you know the accuracy was just off in the passing game on on Saturday and and uh, you know the rest is history. But yeah, but again, it's like you know to to put a pin on the on the special teams thing. And again, I guess this game as a whole, it's just like you can look at the Minnesota line right now. I think it's five and a half moved to six and a half. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Open yeah. at six and a half. Open to seven and a half. But what you're going to see not only relative to Northwestern but relative to the entire Big Ten West over the final five games of the season is a bunch of low overs and low lines because these teams all play defense really well and suck at offense. And the and in all of those situations, 
you want to be a team that can make its field goals. And you want to be a team that doesn't have massive errors on punts and turns it over, etc. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's our field goal game right now is there are really only two teams that have had a similar experience thus far to the season. One is Tulane. And when I, you know, we tweeted out a thing about our special teams, a Tulane fan jumped into the comments and was like, we need to be playing this guy instead. And I was like, wow. There's uh, clearly, clearly, <laughs> clearly two lanes dialed into their special teams problems. And the other one, and Scuzz, you're intimately familiar with this, is Cincinnati. And Cincinnati benched their kicker and had a two-man competition between the other two guys for the job last game. And um, it's like we're kind of there. There are only two teams in the country that have made less than half of their field goals right now, and Northwestern is one of them. So... It's this is just kind of the state of our special teams right now, and it's the third phase. But we, you know, we're going into these knock five knockdown dragouts at this point, and we're going to need the special teams to to not be an Achilles heel for us uh, to to win some of these tight games. So let's talk about Minnesota. Oh, First man. of all, Scuzz coming to town. Hell yeah. yeah! This Saturday. Hell yeah! East parking lot, north end of the east parking lot, west. The Westlaw Pirates, fully armed and operational tailgate, will be in full effect. So come by, say hi. Uh, we're going to be there the whole nine yards. It's a 2.30 kickoff, so there's plenty of time uh, to get our tailgate on, grab a hot dog, grab a brat, grab a burger, grab a beer. Um, we don't need, We don't even need to talk football. We can talk, no. like, you know, come <laughs> hang out, come chat with us. Um Whatever you want, uh, dealer's choice. We're, we'll be hanging. Uh, my, my dad, so, that, so for those who, who don't, like my dad and I always try to get together for Minnesota Northwestern, whether that's up in uh, up in Minneapolis or in Chicago. It's been a couple years, actually, since we've been able, been able to do it. Um, COVID, my third child, uh, you know, interrupted things there, but um, I'm really excited. Uh, dad will be here to four known as Papa Gopher. Um, <laughs> so please, you know, forgive the maroon-clad uh, uh, Joker at our tailgate, but um, but yeah, come by, hang out. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great to be there. I am, I am extraordinarily anxious about this game. Um, I do not feel good. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to feel good, but I'm not there yet. Um, but I, more than anything, I'm just, I'm stoked to be coming to Ryan Field for the first time in almost uh, two calendar years, and that's just, uh, just feels damn good. Amen. So, so when we're talking about Minnesota. I mean, the, the thing to note, they've lost their top two running backs. Uh, Mo Ibrahim. <laughs> it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, it's just, out for the year. The, there's The next guy up, fatties, out for the year. Fatties. Just doesn't matter. Fatties. Yeah. That offensive line is something else. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, you, the three of us could maybe run for 100 yards behind the Minnesota offensive line. Um, there's well, another Big I, Ten podcast that had this. But, like, at this point, Minnesota has had five different guys run for over 100 yards this season. Um, yeah. and like it starts, you know, uh, we've talked about, um, uh, is it, I don't have his name in front of me, Daniel Falale, um, the 400 pound behemoth that plays, uh, left tackle for them. And they're just across the entire offensive line. They're enormous. And our, our D line, our linebackers are going to have their hands full. I mean, that's, that's everything Minnesota does is they try to bludgeon you with the running game. And then, uh, throw over the top with play action. And if you can stop the former, you have a pretty good chance of stopping the latter. But if you can't stop the former, you're going to be, um, 
in a lot of trouble because not only are they going to be moving the ball, but you're not going to have it. Right. I think so. The real big thing to, to understand about the Minnesota is, first of all, everything that you guys just said off the top, right? It's it's the offensive line and how good it is. As a run-blocking offensive line, it's one of the best in the nation. Like, it's probably the best in the Big Ten. And what's really important for everyone to understand, though, is everything else good about Minnesota is really good just because of that offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the huge misconception. Like, like isn't Minnesota like technically like sixth in the nation in like run defense or something like fifth, that? Fifth, I believe. It's so like fifth in the nation in run defense. Okay, here's who Minnesota have pl- has played: Ohio State. Ohio State's top running back averaged thirteen point five yards a carry against them. Then they played Miami of Ohio, Colorado. You know, all due respect, Sammy, but no, 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 no. Colorado's. <laughs> God awful this yeah. year. They're terrible. Uh, yeah. Then Bowling Green, who again they lost to, and uh, that was an absolute nightmare game. Still for the inex- inexplicable. That yeah. Game. Um, and then Purdue, who doesn't have a running back and knows it and totally works around it. Um, Nebraska, whose top running back gained over seven yards a carry, and then Maryland, who just tries to throw with Talia Tagovailoa. So, like, that's who they've played. They haven't played anyone that makes a concerted effort to run. And the teams that that have, chiefly Nebraska, had success running the ball against them. But Minnesota grinds clock. On offense, they can control the ball and get you five yards of carry, six yards of carry, and just march and own clock. And that's the big thing. So when you look, you're like, you look at Minnesota's run defense, understand A, they haven't really been tested running the ball. I mean, teams that wanted to run against them and had good running, like Ohio State and Nebraska had all kinds of success running the ball. Their problems lay elsewhere in those games. Um, And if anything, Ohio State, I remember we were all being like, why are they throwing the ball? They could just run on this team all day. But keep in mind, Minnesota still has Northwestern, Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin on their schedule. So the degree to what of what this run defense is still remains to be seen. But again, they grind clock. Um, but to go back to something earlier that that we talked about when we talked about North, we talked about our defense and our defense's performance against Michigan. One of the really instructive things to look at is to look at Purdue. And look at what happened when Purdue played Minnesota and what happened when Purdue played Wisconsin. Well, Purdue just played Wisconsin and they got flattened. Okay, that game was not close. Purdue played Minnesota and in every way dominated that game and then lost because of two brutal turnovers. They lost 20-13 to to Minnesota. Um, But if you look at the yards, uh, Purdue just was clearly the better team. The difference in the game is you look at Wisconsin's rush numbers against Purdue, Wisconsin flattened Purdue. You look at Minnesota's rush yards against Purdue, Minnesota did almost nothing against Purdue. What's the difference? It's not like Purdue's defense played better. The difference is Purdue ground clock against Minnesota because Minnesota's defense isn't remotely as good as Wisconsin's defense and Purdue dominated time of possession. They were on the field a long time, throwing five yards, throwing six yards, throwing seven yards, moving the chains, moving the chains, moving the chains. And Minnesota just never had a chance to get anything going on the ground. 
And it's like, it's that kind of thing where it's like, we talked about it last game, but it's like this Minnesota defense is not in the class of the Michigan defense. Offense, you got to step up. Because if we're going three and out, and then these five Minnesota fatties are just plowing for like 80 yards and seven minutes, like we ain't winning this game. And that's the thing. It's gonna be, it'll be right. the same story. I mean, it'll, the defense will just gas out. Exactly. And that's the thing is like this Minnesota defense ain't the Michigan defense, especially on the ground. And it's like, so we, we got to step up. No execution errors. Ryan's got to be completing, you know. We need we want sixty percent completion out of him, and we need to move the ball on the ground. Like we need to get first downs, um, and we need to, to we gotta, you know, we've got to be even on time of possession with these guys. But if we're not, if we're going three and out and punting, this team's just gonna lean on us until we fall until we fall over. Like that's what they do. They're just enormous, and they can run the ball, and they can grab yards and, and milk time of possession. Yeah, I mean, I. I... Don't really know what else to to say. I mean, that that's it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like it's literally like not a lot of nuance thing, and that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I guess I guess you can you can sum it up this way, right? Like Northwestern had to fix their run defense. They came out of the bye and they did a great job against Rutgers. Um, they had a very difficult test against. Michigan in that same regard and and I thought acquitted themselves quite well in that first half uh even even into the second half before things kind of fell apart and they gave up a lot of running yards um we didn't talk about it but but uh JJ McCarthy being a big piece of that like late in the third quarter you know really gashing Northwestern a couple times Tanner Tanner Morgan ain't gonna do that like he he can tuck the ball and run but it's really not his MO um and then simultaneously like you know minnesota like they were this you know super wide receiver factory for a couple years there chris ottman bell has been okay um this season dylan wright has been on and off the field like they're just they're not a big explosive passing team it's all about the run game and you know northwestern defense here's another test to show your metal um prove that you've you know fixed your uh your your problems with assignments and contain and um i think you know we're gonna have to be really excellent on how we execute defensively because the you know the, the defensive linemen they're gonna get abs- like they're gonna get absorbed um this is gonna fall to the linebackers and and tackling has got to be on point uh to be able to to slow this rush offense yeah, I, and again, that's like that's the thing, and and I have total faith that we can do that, right? Yeah, like, again, totally. it's like it's like Minnesota, like Minnesota's backs are not as good as Michigan's backs, and I, I mean, like, it's not close. Our, it's our not defense close. Really we're, hard, we're, we're down to a couple freshmen now, right? And it's and right, and it's like that's the thing. It's like yeah, I like our defense balled out awesome in that game. We all still have visions of like Blake Corn and Hassan Haskins making a couple guys miss, like. Minnesota's they, backs ain't that like those guys deep. had so much shimmy. I, like I was not yeah. expecting that. Um, yeah, and I, like they were incredible at at like I like I think it was was it I think it was Haskins who 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 pulled off a spin move in the hole um, to get around yeah. our, our one of our one of our yeah. linebackers. Like I, I haven't seen that in a while, frankly. Yeah, there. I mean, it's like 
They look like the number six team in the country, like credit where credit is due. But Minnesota's backs are not that. Like, no. they're doing it at the line of scrimmage, moving you off the ball, and their offensive line is great at that. But we're kind of built to be that kind of team. And the again, it's like, is it is it a cure-all? No, it's not. Like, they will lean on us until we fall over if the offense doesn't support us. But I do feel like we can run against this team. Well, it's fun. Go ahead. Well, I just, like, that's, that's the key point. Because, like, I think our defense is up to the task. But um, they're not going to shut out Minnesota. Minnesota's going to get 20 to 24 points, right? Um, and our offense has to be better. We, we've we've got to be better. We've got to hit that, that 28 to 31 that we could have done against Rutgers, right? Like, like we left points on the field. The Western easily could have hit 31 points in that game. And if they do that this weekend, I think they can win. If it, it, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a 14 to 17 type game, I don't, I don't feel great about our chances. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I did want to bring up briefly is the, like, in terms of defense, this is funny because we talked about it last season and it's like Minnesota was horrific against the run last season. And this year they haven't been tested at all. Again, they're all their run heavy teams are in the back half of their schedule. And again, it's like Nebraska put up big numbers against them, and so did Ohio State in terms of average per carry. But Minnesota has good corners, and they have Boye Mafe as a pass rusher. And they've gotten a lot of mileage out of that. Like Maryland had just massive trouble throwing the ball. So it's like Minnesota can cover. You got to run on them. And it's like, you can. We can, and we need to. And we're, we're going to need to get it done. Um, in like a larger sense, I wanted to talk, you know, because again, I know we're kind of going to be moving off Minnesota. Just... This, I think there's this feeling amongst all Northwestern fans, right, that we're, we're looking at a five-game season here of, of everything that's come. It's like this season, right? I mean, I mean, in, in simplistic terms, we could be three and nine or we could be eight and four. I mean, it's like so much can happen here in these five games. And that's not just true for us. It's true for the entire Big Ten. At this point, I mean, in Big Ten West, at this point, we don't have any idea who's winning the West. Um if you're betting, you'd say Iowa, I guess. But look at the numbers. Look at just how bad Iowa's offense is. So bad. It's, it's so bad. And they've got, like, their defensive, their four defensive backs are all in, like, the top ten in the Big Ten in, like, takeaways. And that's all front-loaded in the first half of the season. And it's like, that doesn't seem sustainable to me. And I'd still make them the betting favorite. But you, you know what's wild? When we had this conversation three weeks ago, do y'all remember who we talked about as being the number two team in the Big Ten West? Uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Who is in last place at one in four in conference? Right. And and, and, so, and has basically no path to right. uh, to competing for the conference championship. I, I, I mean, the, the Gophers are kind of in the catbird seat, too. right? Yeah, the Gophers, the Gophers are right in it for sure. And like they can point to one thing that they do well. I mean, it, what's weird though is again, it's like Wisconsin can run the ball and you have all these teams. And again, we, we tweeted out the numbers, but just about all these teams are great on defense so far this season and all of them are bad on offense. And you know what? The most likely thing statistically to happen is for all those defensive numbers to get even more inflated. And you're going to see a bunch of these just super low scoring games through the, you know, as, as the whole West goes round robin at this point, but like, I, like 20 to 18 and nine overtimes. No, oh, good God. 
Catholic game. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, right, exactly. But but so I mean it's just it's just to show, right? Like again, it's this is a massive game for Northwestern, but it really does feel like a five game season. And it's like it's you I was talking to you guys earlier before we got on the pod. I was looking back through old tape to look at the screen, you know, look at our screen problems, right, over the course of the seven games. But I'm looking at Michigan State and you've got the gothic uniforms. You've got Hunter Johnson throwing passes to Bryce Kurtz. It feels and our and our defense just getting gashed left and right. It feels like a different season. This was like a month and a half ago. This feels like a year ago. Like I was looking at that team and I'm like, I can't even identify this team compared to what we're looking at right now. So, you know, again, it's like we're taking a totally different ball club into this five game season. And Minnesota starts. So, you know, it's a it's a huge game right off the top and they're all gonna be big, but it really does feel like our entire season now is truly getting compressed into five weeks. And, you know, here we go. Yeah, we, we win three of our last five. We're going bowling. Exactly. You know, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois. Um, I think all of, the, of them are winnable. All of them are losable. Right. I think of the pinstripe season, right? And that we, we went six and six that season and then played really well against Pitt in the pinstripe bowl and took seven and six out of that. And that was, you know, we all felt like that was a hell of a season coming out of that season, coming out of that pinstripe bowl. So that's I mean, the that, goal, right? Tw- 2018, right? We start with the two horrific uh, horrific losses. Get thumped by um, by our East crossover games and then run the table in the West, right? Yeah. Right. And, that's, and it's like the... We're all so deep, you know, Northwestern fans, you're all so deep in, in our own bad season, right? And it's like, look around, like, talk to a Wisconsin fan, talk to a Purdue fan, talk to an Illinois fan, talk to an Iowa fan coming out of that Purdue game, right? And it's like, this is where the West is living right now. Like, someone's got to win these final five games. Like, who's it going to be? Yeah, like, at, the, at, the, at the very least, we're in good company. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah. So, and again, it's like, and Minnesota, like Scuzz said, Minnesota's, you take that Bowling Green loss off, and on paper, they're looking pretty good right now. So, they're, they've got as much of a claim, like, they're going for that West crown right now. And they absolutely are. Like, that's in play for them. The fact that they haven't played a, a strong rushing team or, right. or or many strong defensive teams either, like, like, the, like, Nebraska is a strong uh, run defense is, you know, kind of the the one marker against that. But then there's, you know, two drives that like the, I think a drive that ended at the at the Minnesota nine and another one that ended at the Minnesota one and Nebraska got, got no points and lost that game by seven. So um, just take that for what you will. Like, you know, Northwestern hasn't been perfect in a single game yet. So, I, you know, I, I realize I'm throwing stones in a glass house. But, no, but I mean, it's like Minnesota and Iowa. There's only five games left in the season. I don't feel like we know what those teams are yet. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to find out, you know, and M- we're going to be part of that. Much like last week, like our our role here is is we're painting a path, right? The the path is there. It's for it's out there for the taking. Let's see if the Cats can go execute and take it. So elsewhere around the conference um this past weekend, uh you know, Ohio State beat up on Indiana 54 to 7. Um, you know, they look really good. I mean, CJ Stroud seems to have shaken whatever yips he had from earlier in this season. And like that offense, if that's not the best offense in the country, tell me who is. 
Yeah, it probably is, right? I mean, you look at the other teams at the top of the of the nation and they're making their bones with defense, right? Um, and well, I mean, then there's Oklahoma who it's like, what are they even doing? Yeah, but, who knows? <laughs> like Oklahoma. That's yeah. just a bizarre, right. bizarre Some, world. Somehow they're still up there. But yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're totally right. I mean, Ohio State, they look like the class of, of the conference right now. Although I think a lot of, I'm sure like the ESPN, ABC, et cetera, are being like, for the love of God, let Michigan beat Michigan State this week and then for, we finally have a meaty uh you know a meaty Michigan Ohio State game for the first time in forever. Um, Fox will be hoping for that because oh, yeah. that, that game's on Fox. That's right. Yeah, right. So Fox was a little too excited about Michigan beating Northwestern to set up their uh their big undefeated Michigan yeah. game at, yeah. at East Lansing this weekend, but um yeah, but but yeah, no, I mean Ohio State's offense just looks yeah, absolutely incredible. And on the flip side uh, I mean, in, I mean, to any, to any outsider, you're going to say Rutgers is the worst team in the Big Ten, and then probably Indiana, and then Northwestern. Like that's what people are are going to look. And well, I mean, and, and Nebraska too, but people are going to look at the Nebraska Northwestern score. But I mean, Indiana, this team should have played in the Fiesta Bowl last year, and now they again, like they're averaging seven points a Big Ten game right now. Like I, it's just stunning. Well, and it's I mean, it's not just the Penix injury; their defense has really struggled this year. I mean, Tra- Trayvon Henderson, who we, who we know is like this incredible freshman running back for Ohio state. He averaged nine yards a carry just sliced through Indiana after they played pretty good against Michigan state. And it's like, and, and you know, we, this has been kind of a theme of this pod, but this is, that's a, that's a defense that's completely unmoored by the total disappearance of this offense. Like uh, Indiana, just it's their, their team that can't literally can't move the ball at all on offense. And it's just destroyed them. I mentioned it already. Nah, Nine save it. Overtime. Save, save it. We gotta land. We okay. gotta finish on that right. one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin beat Purdue thirty to thirteen. Um, you know, Purdue feeling themselves after that uh, big win in Iowa. You know, Wisconsin comes in and you kind of lays it to them. I just don't know what to make of Purdue, honestly. Like, well, so I like, kind of like the kind of like the Iowa story of like, don't turn it over. I mean, Aiden O'Connell threw three picks in this game. Up to up to eight picks a now. Couple from like seven them, a couple of them. Seven TDs. A couple of them were brutal picks too. They were just you're like, oh my god, what are you doing? Um, per, Purdue he, had minus thirteen yards rushing. Like I like I just like so at, like th- everything went wrong in this in this game for them. So of course they got thumped. Well, you've talked about in the past, Scott's matchups. Like this game is yeah. a horrible matchup for Purdue because Wisconsin's defense is awesome and Purdue. As awesome as their defensive line has been, it's all pass rush oriented. Like Karloftis, like what's he doing in this game? Wisconsin's not throwing the ball, um, yeah. and and that's the thing. And then on the flip side, again, we juxtapose that Purdue Minnesota game. Purdue could move the ball against Minnesota, and it's like Wisconsin's got the number two defense in the nation, as predicted. And it's like Purdue just couldn't move the ball against them. And then Wisconsin ground rush yards, like and that, and that was it. It's a good matchup. Uh, we hinted at this, but uh, Minnesota beat Maryland thirty-four to sixteen. Um, you know, the the running game for Minnesota that really took care of you know took care of things for Maryland and Talia Tagovailoa seventeen to twenty-seven for one eighty-nine and a touchdown. It's not going to get it done. Yeah, again, it's like Minnesota's got good corners and they've got a line that can get to the quarterback, chiefly Mafe and Maryland is pillow soft in the trenches, so. There you go. Can, can we talk about it now? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the crime against the oh ball. My God. Nine overtimes. Illinois comes out over Penn State 20 to 18. Oh my God. Like when just it, when you beat the number seven team in the country, it ought to leave people thinking about how good of a job you did. And no one thought that coming out of this game. All anyone was like was like, what are these teams doing to the game of football right now? So, Pop Warner so, turning over in his grave. So Illinois won this game with their quarterback, Arthur Sikowski, going 8 of 19 for 38 yards and a pick. And then he broke his wrist and is done for the year. Yeah. That, and, that and and he is by far the better option at quarterback for Illinois, yeah. right? It's like you wonder, what would it have been like if Brandon Peters would have played in this game? Oh, dear God. Um, and the crazy thing is, is, I mean, what is going on with Penn State's offense right now? Whoa, Clifford, is, Clifford is hurt, and he tried to gut through it, went 19-34 for 165 and the touchdown. I mean, I mean, it's like like Illinois, Illinois really sold out against the run. I mean, Noah Kane, eleven carries for forty three yards, like that. Like a little credit to the Illinois defense, right? But sure, sure. Oh, they like. I mean, Penn State. I mean, that's two games in a row, though, right? That Penn yeah. State has just been just shut down on offense, and there, and even I mean, the week before that, they beat Illinois, uh, Indiana, twenty four nothing. Like this is an offense that has been just solely sorely starved for points this season. And it was, they, they bottomed out. I mean, they're, they dropped like a rock in the rings, but I mean the, the overtimes, I mean, Oh dear God. What do you, what I did you was, guys, I, what do you, what I was did you guys not aware of the, 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 yeah, they, they changed I that was, this year. I, I was, I was going to ask, was, what, what do you guys think of that? You know, oh, oh, basically I, penalty shots, right? How can you poke a hole in it? Dear God, imagine if that game had been full overtime periods. It oh, would have lasted Jesus. six hours. Maybe. We would have, I mean, it was the – for I, I kind of liked it. It was funny, though. You could tell the players aren't totally into it because I think at one point – Oh, I, au contraire. I think at, the players were jacked about it. No, 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 no. no not, they were jacked about it. I mean, they weren't – what I mean is there was a play where I think it was Sitkowski threw it out of the back of the end zone – where you're like, no, no, dude, like, there's no tomorrow here. <laughs> if it gets, and that's right. so it interesting. Picked. It's like one one play at a time. It's, and if you it's and like, if you throw a you pick, it doesn't play. matter, right? Right, exactly. Doesn't matter, right? And that was the that was assuming the they don't return it, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah so I mean, sure. you could see them, but it was. I mean, I liked it. I mean, I thought the back and forth was. I mean, it's it's not the rules' fault that these teams were so like half of those attempts had no chance. They were runs that were stuffed at the line or in the backfield. It was just, it was a total disaster. It was just an absolute offensive disaster by both of these teams. The irony being, Illinois actually ran the ball pretty well in this game early on. Like, if you look at the stats, Illinois turned it over three times. That's why the game got to overtime. Penn State was thoroughly outplayed. Like, again, they're bottoming out. I don't know what's going on with Penn State right now. But uh, Chase Brown went for 223 yards on the ground. Yeah. Um, and again, it's like you look Illinois. That's the character of this team. Because like, I mean, with Sikowski, they can throw a little. Peters can't hit the broadside of a barn. They just want to run. That's what they got for the rest of the year. Yeah. They just want to run, 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 run. They want to be Minnesota, but they don't have Minnesota's offensive line. But their well, backs the, are, but they have Chase Brown, who's faster. But, well, and the, the problem, though, is that with Peters out there, who is both immobile and 
extraordinarily inaccurate, teams can load up against their run and just right. dare Illinois to throw, and they don't they don't have the targets nor do they have the QB talent to do it. And as a result, like even even in the games where Peters has played, their running game looks anemic, and then our Sitkowski comes in and they explode um, for all, for all these yards. I mean, I've been saying it for weeks. I don't understand why Sitkowski hasn't been their starting quarterback, and now he's broken wrist out for the year. And right. and the question I have is. You know, moving forward, does Illinois go to one of their other quarterbacks, one of their younger guys? Because you know what Brandon Peters is, and that ain't it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they do they have anyone down the bench or can pull in some transfers? Brett Bielema has made it clear that everyone on that team's worthless. So, do they have <laughs> do they have some late transfer that they can bring I mean, in do, or something? Deuce Span would be the guy, right? So this is a this is a freshman um, came in. Last year was pretty ballyhooed as a recruit, um, dual threat guy. Like so, you know, presumably could put some mobility out there. No, no idea how good he is with the system or making reads or making throws. But um, like that—that's that's the guy that if I'm if I'm Brett Bielema, I start taking a really close look at Span in practice because. Um, but here's the thing: like, like after what week? Week one, week two, because didn't Sikowski come in and knock off Nebraska in the second half of that game? Yeah, I mean Sikowski did come in. at in, Yeah, he threw a couple great Nebraska deep balls, game, yeah. and and you we were specifically talking about how Scuzz had called that. Yeah, and then he sat for what like four weeks while Illinois lost four games in a row, and I just I um not for, well. Pete Peters yeah, got yes, hurt. Yes. Peters got hurt in the in the Nebraska game. And Sitkowski came in. Yeah, but right. then, but and then, as soon as Peters got healthy, he came back in. Right? Yes, he came as soon as Peters got healthy, he came back, and they they you know looked pretty terrible throughout all of that before um you know this this win. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, the, I guess you know in in that we've been talking about this game for a, a long time. Like again, we should point out that's like if you look at like S and P plus like. Northwestern Illinois, like that game's basically a toss up, and it's like S and P plus is like that's the only game that any predictive formula is giving Northwestern right now is that Illinois game, and again they're not giving it to us, but like that's the game that the predictive formulas think we can win. Like Illinois, that that ugly ass Penn State game did not improve Illinois from an advanced metrics perspective. Like advanced metrics still hates that team, and they don't like us either. So it's like that's one that we're counting on. Right. And then we're getting everything we can from the other four. All right. So this weekend, uh, full slate of Big Ten games, no buys in the Big Ten. Uh, so we'll, we'll get a chance to see everyone. Um, our games at 2.30 on Big Ten Network uh, at 11 o'clock Central, high noon on the East Coast on Fox, Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan, Ooh, uh... a four and a half point favorite going into this. With an over/under of fifty-one, They're expecting some points here. It's gonna—I mean, it's gonna be an awesome game. I mean, honestly, I, I would give the edge to Michigan. I think it could go either way. Um, I think—I mean, credit where credit is due. Michigan's been playing really well recently. Um, Michigan State's been kind of a little up and down, but I mean, neither of these teams has been perfect. I mean, it's—it's it's an awesome game. I—I—I I, I, it truly could go either way. Again, it's like. Fox desperately wants Michigan to win this game, but um, <laughs> we're, they are on we're the gonna road. have we're gonna have to find a neighbor tailgate with a TV to to pop over and say hi to to see if we can get some eyes on that game a little bit on Saturday. Whatever, I'll pull it up on my phone. Hell yeah! Um, I I mean like 
I don't know. The the one thing that stands out to me is um, neither one of these. I mean, M- Michigan is the only team that's faced like a really good offense, like in Wisconsin, and they trucked them. Michigan State hasn't really played a great defense yet, and um, that kind of speaks volumes. At the same time, it's in East Lansing. You know, there's like this is the first you know time Michigan has looked good in what two years. Um, it's been a minute, yeah. So you know, are are they there yet? Do they have the the pieces? I like the one thing that was really apparent during our game is that Cade McNamara is starting quarterback for Michigan because he is like really good at taking care of the football, right? And you heard um, the announcers, Joel Clatt in particular, talking about this a lot. That, and this is exactly what I said preseason, so I feel really vindicated, and I want to repeat it: is that like for Michigan to do anything, it's got to be JJ McCarthy. Like he is the guy with the upside and the talent and the and the athletic skill set to allow Michigan to compete with a Penn State and Ohio State, maybe even a Michigan State. Um, I don't know that uh, they can get there with the run game alone and, you know, the short passes to these really fast receivers um, against a good defense like Michigan State. Now, we'll see. We'll see if that Michigan State D holds up. You know, they um, they struggled a little bit with, uh, with Nebraska. They looked – pretty darn good against Indiana, but the offense struggled. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting situation. And I like, I think Michigan will probably try to ride McNamara, but it's going to be fascinating if they're, if they're struggling, they need to put JJ in there in like not a get experience moment, but a, we need you to do something moment. I'm really interested to see on the other side of the ball, what Kenneth Walker Me the third does against that uh, Michigan run defense. Yeah. And he's been, he's, since his like torrid start to the season, he's been like a little up and down, right? And um, yeah, now, this is like a now they had a bye last week, right? So they're like, right. yeah, he, he this... probably could use the rest, right? This would be the one they'd remember, boy, if though if he can have a big game in this one, which is it's a tall order, but yeah, I mean, I I think if you if you made me guess, I'd say at the end of the day, Michigan's backs have the better day here, just because I think they're gonna enjoy more. More just a better push off the line, but we'll we'll see. It's again, yeah, it's going to be a great game. Eleven o'clock central on ESPN. Uh, Iowa at Wisconsin. Whew. Wisconsin, a three and a half point favorite. The over under thirty six and a half. Yeah, that's right, folks. <laughs> it's a Big Ten West matchup, boys. Oh so, God, hide your kids. So here's the thing. Um, Graham Mertz has seven interceptions. <laughs> yeah. And I've said it every week. If you turn the ball over to Iowa, they will beat you. And like they're going to throw the ball maybe four times all game. Well, I, how are they going to run the ball against Iowa? Iowa's got a really know. good run D, right? Like, I mean, this is true. Let me point. Let me paint out a simple scenario for you, though, guys. That it's zero and, zero. Any any <laughs> any time Wisconsin fields the ball in their own end of the field. They should just punt. That's because Iowa's offense is so bad. And Wisconsin's defense at no time in the past two years of mediocre Wisconsin football has not pissed excellence. And like, that's the thing. Iowa, there is nothing to suggest Iowa can move the ball at all in any way against this Wisconsin defense. And that's the thing. It's like, this is this is where the rubber meets the road for Iowa. I mean, they've been living the charmed life off turnovers, but your I mean your point is well taken, Scuzz. But I'm like, 
I'm like, Wisconsin can probably run the ball a little against Iowa? Iowa can't do anything against Wisconsin. Like, not a thing. Um, and Iowa also has a super immobile quarterback who is just going to get carved by those linebackers. So, yeah, I mean, 20 to 15 or whatever sounds about right. <laughs> this is so instructive. I went back and looked. I'm looking at the box score from, from Wisconsin-Iowa last year. So Iowa hits two field goals in the first half, and then so it's 6 nothing at halftime. And then in the third quarter, has a 20-yard and a 53-yard touchdown pass to Amir Smith-Marset, who remains the fastest and largest of all of Iowa's wide receivers, except he's no longer on the roster. Right, exactly. I mean, it's again, it's like this is a tactical game. Punts should be utilized as weapons. Which first, is, you know, first down <laughs> quick kick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like if you can pin the other team inside of your ten, that's probably points. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a fascinating one to watch. Over under on safeties in this game. Oh God. I mean, I'm like, will we get a one, b more than one? I again, I don't think either of these teams gets after the passer well enough yeah, to, 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 to do safeties. It's going to be more. It's going to be. It's going to be. I mean, I think the the better question is over under on pick sixes. That's my thing is like, to me, it's Graham Mertz dying to give Iowa defensive points in this game versus the fact that Iowa may literally have zero offensive yards in this game. It's all right. So, so, so here, here's the prop. Here's a proposition. Uh, Offenses or defenses with more points in this game? Oh, that's a good question. That's an amazing question. question. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say there are more points off turnovers than anything. Yeah, but but whether whether it's the defense or the offense scoring, I think I like hard to discern. Yeah, I would say here's what I'll say. Whatever, how if there are more than one touchdown in this game, the majority of touchdowns will be points off turnovers. That I believe, short field touchdowns. Also, 11 o'clock Central, uh, Rutgers at Illinois. Rutgers, a one-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 42-and-a-half. Rutgers is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I guess, that, I guess that the Peters wild. injury, because like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at our game, and I'm thinking Illinois should be able to pile up 350 rushing yards on Rutgers, dominate Rutgers, time of possession, and and own this game. But yeah. with Sitkowski out, there's they're just completely one-dimensional. Yeah, and Rutgers might... And Rutgers has shown, like, they did it against Michigan. Like, Rutgers will sell out against the run. Like, yeah. if you yeah, let truth. them do it, if you let them do it, and it's like, there ain't no Peyton Thorne, there ain't no... Uh, um, uh, Ohio State's quarterback's escaping me right now. Um, C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud. There's yeah. no C.J. Stroud out there, right? Like, I mean, it's... Right, Rutgers is just going to put eight or nine in the box, so we'll I, see. I should I shouldn't have to say this because all y'all are going to be hanging with us in the in the in the east tail uh, east tailgate lot. But um, if you're not, don't watch this game. Watch yeah, one right. of those other two games we just talked about. Yeah. Oh dear God! Like you're a degenerate gambler if you're watching that game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention game day is going to uh, East Lansing. Yep. As is uh, Fox's uh, their. Yeah, they're pregame shows. So two pregame shows live in East Lansing. Um, so that'll, that'll be that'll be fun. Eleven o'clock Central, Indiana at Maryland. Maryland is, a five point uh, favorite. I was over about, under fifty point. I was about to say I was going to guess the line. 
Because Maryland oh, ain't a good football team, and yet I knew they were going to get favored by a bunch of points. Would you have guessed five? I would have guessed more. I think I would have said somewhere between seven and ten. And Maryland's not good. Indiana's just, oh, God. And I, I just mean, that, that they, Michigan they... State game, is the, is the, that's the one you look at and you think, all right, if, if Indiana can marshal themselves here, um, they can, you know, ratchet down the defense a little bit. Um, but I, I, I feel like that Indiana team's probably broken at this stage, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like, do you think Purdue? Do you think Maryland's going to score more than seven points in this game? Probably, and Indiana's probably not. I mean, it's rough, but that's where we are. So maybe the under on this one? I mean, fifty and a half is big. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like Minnesota. God, it's like you still you're like they still have Taiwan Mullen. Like they still have great a great secondary. It's like oh god. And Maryland's defense isn't good. I mean, go go Indiana, get yourself a win for the love of God. Come on, get a road win. Two thirty Central on ESPN two. Purdue at Nebraska. Want to guess the line? Oh, Nebraska by three. Nebraska by seven and a half. Ooh, wow. I this feels like a like a lot of points to me. Um, just because Purdue can't stop Nebraska's run. That's the um, main thing. And I don't know that Nebraska can stop Purdue's pass. Yeah, that, I would say that's totally it. Again, it's like, for anyone who doesn't know, Nebraska's leading the Big Ten in carries by far right now, and that's just Purdue can't stop that. Um, but you're right. I think Purdue can move the ball against Nebraska. I totally think they can throw on this team. But if Aiden O'Connell, I mean, hey, Aiden O'Connell versus, versus uh, Adrian Martinez, what's the well, over-under on turnovers in this will, one? Will it be Aiden O'Connell? I mean, Purdue... They're they're rotating quarterbacks like it's going out of style. This is yeah. an interesting thing because early on in the year it was it was just Jack Plummer and he was awesome. And I, did he get like, hurt? He got hurt and O'Connell took over. But now like Plummer's played the last couple games. Now maybe he's you know maybe he's he's hurting and he's trying to play through it. But um, I do I do wonder if you're going to see a shift there after after the interception fest from O'Connell last weekend. But even still, like if David Bell is healthy, Purdue has a chance in this game. In the in the Jeff Brobiest thing ever, all three Purdue quarterbacks were on the field for a play in uh, in their last game. So were they really? <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Let's see that again. Let's go, Austin Burton. And then uh, in, in finally, a game that suddenly feels like a blood drenched slaughter. <laughs> Uh, 6.30 on ABC. Um, I guess uh, Herb Street and Fowler will just you know head down from East Lansing to Columbus to call the Penn State-Ohio State game. Ohio State, an 18.5 point favorite. Over-under is 60. So this game is almost always tight. Um, and Penn State usually does a good job of like dragging it into the mud, and may- maybe this Illinois game is like an like an overlook, but it just it just feels like Penn State doesn't like have a prayer with, of keeping with Clifford up. hurt with Clifford hurting. Like I don't trust anyone else. Penn State's going to put under center. But so here's and, the thing: like like of the last three years, like Penn State was good in 2019, but outside of that, they weren't they weren't awesome. They, I mean, last year against number three Ohio State, it was a 
point loss. Two years ago, now they were they were good two years ago. It was a 17-28 loss. And then three years ago, it was a 26-27 loss in a year that they went 9-4 and four and also lost to Michigan State and Michigan. So I like – I, I don't and and lost to Kentucky in the bowl game. I might add. So I, I don't know. It's just like like this. This game seems like it's always close, and I don't know how to how to square with that with what we've seen on the field the last three weeks, which tells you that Ohio State is going to murder the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I guess if if I was looking for a recipe for how it was somehow close, it would be that Penn State, who has a good secondary, steps up in the secondary. And then Stroud is missing targets, which he has occasionally done. Like, I'm just saying, if that was a recipe, like, that's the recipe I would come up with. I mean, Ohio State was rough to start this season. They've beaten the brakes off the last four teams that they've played. Like, absolute slaughters. Like, they, they seem to have put that to bed, and this, this line seems pretty accurate to me. Uh, any other games nationally you guys are looking at does, uh, could be interesting? I mean, you got Ole Miss-Auburn. Um, coming in Florida, Georgia, that is probably going to be a bloodbath, uh, for Georgia. Um, I mean, Georgia is just so much better than literally everyone else. It's Georgia, big gap, then Cincinnati, Alabama, um, Oklahoma, uh, even a gap to Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma, what, what the hell are they? We talked about that earlier, but what the hell is Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, for me, Bama and Ohio State have earned their way into the conversation. Yeah, Ohio State, sure. And then, uh, and then, you know, props, credit where credit is due to Cincinnati. They'd be my, that'd be my fourth right now. Yeah, I mean, don't, I, don't don't you be besmirch my Bearcats. Yeah, and Not again, it's like yeah, Not they played. I mean, they're yeah, right they, there. And they, yeah, they played close football last week, but that was service academy football. Like you just you get yourself a win in one of those games. And then you move on. Road game after after playing your you know. Playing UCF at home, like it, it was a very, it was a definitely a letdown spot for them too. I'm gonna be real interested to see when the committee starts putting out their rankings, like what they're gonna say. Like, will will the committee actually put Cincinnati in the playoff? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a game that matters this weekend for that conversation, and that's SMU at Houston. So sure. Houston's six and one. Houston's pretty good. SMU is seven and zero. Oh. If if SMU beats Houston, it sets up a potential undefeated matchup between Cincinnati and SMU the week before Thanksgiving. And that would be a big feather in Cincinnati's cap to have that. Um, uh, could could that would, be a rematch for the AAC championship or are they in the same division or I, yeah, it could. Cause, cause AAC just takes the top oh, two. So they, top they two. could okay. play SMU twice in three weeks. If SMU loses to Houston, then you've got kind of like a, what like like which one of those teams is going to be the one to to face Cincinnati and you know we'll see how it goes but I I would say well and then I, the other one kind of lurking out there is Wake Forest right which is I mean if Wake Forest wins out they're taking that spot right away from Cincinnati and they they have a, of course they have a long way to to go really? to get to that point oh yeah I mean an eleven I mean they'd be a thirteen and zero ACC champion. I mean, but again, but but I'll, they I'll don't. Put, but they but, don't have a single ranked team oh, on their on their resume. But Power Five is Power Five. I'm totally with you. I mean, the yeah. the, the the waves are parting for them. But that yeah. would really be the rubber against the road, right? Where it's like, are you going to put an undefeated AAC team in over an undefeated ACC team? Um, but again, like Wake Forest has light years to go. I mean, they still have to play NC State. 
They still have to play at Boston College. I, I'm laughing because I just am jumping right over that they're at Clemson because who yeah. cares? I mean, they, 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 don't, they, <laughs> they could finish the season without playing a single ranked opponent, whereas Cincinnati is going to have uh, at least Notre Dame, SMU. A win at Notre Dame, yeah, SMU. On their, on yeah. their schedule. No, you're right. I mean, it's like it'll it's it's just a fascinating kind of case study, right? Yeah. If like if an undefeated ACC champion didn't get in, but again, it's like you're <clears throat> if right now Pitt's leading the other bracket and playing good. Football, I was going to ask, what do, what do you guys make of Pitt? They're good, but they have a <laughs> they have a MAC loss, so like they ain't getting in over Cincinnati if they win out. I'll tell you that much. Um, but. But I mean, it's it's those are the kind of things that I'm just you know. You ask me like, what am I interested in in terms of like, just the other games looking around? Well, you know, I'm interested to see if like Wake is somehow able to keep this going. Um, I you know I have no idea if they can, they get, but they get Duke this weekend. Yeah, and at North Carolina, NC State, at Clemson, at BC. It's a pretty rough finish, but it's also also like I think was it Sam? Did you tweet this out or you point this out to us that? Wake scored 70 points against Army and possessed it for 17 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They gave, gave up 56. Yeah. They basically, basically, they got optioned to death. And then every time they got the ball back, they just immediately threw for a touchdown, like on the first play, and then gave it back to Army. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wake's Q- little... QB threw for 458 yards and five TDs. And. Army ran for 416 yards and five TTs. Yes, wow. I'm getting I'm getting horrible flashbacks, Sammy. I remember being in your apartment in the city watching us play Army and just oh, God. the, the oh. death by a thousand paper oh. cuts that was oh. that game. Oh, Lord. Texas Tech fires their coach the week before they go to Oklahoma. And they're what? What, what are they, five and three? Five and five two? Five and three. Good five God. and three. <laughs> Yeah, two or three in the Big Twelve. Yeah, def- definitely time to make a change right there. Absolutely. If I you guess, had, I guess, if, I guess, get rid of him now because because if he beats Oklahoma, you're not going to be able to. Yeah, that's that's, if, that's true. If you had, if if uh, if you had team fires coach the week before the Oklahoma game, and it's not Scott Frost in your pool, congratulations, you just won so much money. <laughs> Um, yeah. Anything else? I mean, it's not a ton of, you know, juicy matchups outside the conference. Just kind of scanning through here. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Again, it's like, it's, we're, we're all, this is that time of the year. We're, we're, well, I, we're, one thing I, I, I'm actually surprised that Oregon is not more than a 24 point favorite against Colorado. Uh, Colorado's yeah. just awful. Tatanka's got them right where they want them. Tatanka's gonna roll, gonna roll into Eugene, get that big win. <laughs> They've it's right. it's funny because they're they're so bad, and they annihilated Arizona. And then you look at Arizona, and Arizona's on a whole other magnitude of awfulness. It's just it's feel bad for the several cats who transferred to Arizona because uh, trust, trust us as as bad as. Things have been at times for Northwestern this season. They are a whole other order of magnitude worse at Arizona. Arizona's on, on a what, like twenty game losing, nineteen game losing streak. Yeah, they're going in, going through last year and maybe even the year before. Wow, Abs- absolute nightmare. Yeah, what, what, what's our, what's our record? Thirty four. 
34. Sorry. Is is that is that the number? Oh, oh, oh. Good guy. Our I, record. I was I was thinking about our record this season. I was like three and four, and I was like, oh god. No, yes. no, no. No, the, I know. The, the other record. I, yes. I probably shouldn't oh, even mention that. Oh, oh dear God. Yes. Who can remember? I was <laughs> Who's but, to say? I was but one or two years old, Sammy. Who can who can remember? <laughs> uh, you know, Arizona's got uh little ways to go, but they're real bad. Yeah. Yeah, but again, it's like those are the you know we've we've covered the the biggest games, but I think we're all going to be locked into this five game season, and it's again yeah. it's five game season really for the entire West, and we're a part of it. It's it's crazy how compressed it feels this year, but it feels like with but five games left, we know so little about the pecking order of this side of the conference, and it well, all has to get squared away. It's such a backloaded schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, we played one West game so far. And the last five games are West games. So, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just so crazy how this five weeks is totally going to define this season. And, again, I know, like, there's a lot of of you who have been like, I'm out, like, this season is lost, etc. And it's like, again... Look at the look at everyone else in the West. It's like this is going to be just a total cluster, and someone's going to rise to the top, and it it could very well be us. I'm not saying we'll win the conference, but I'm saying like if we get our act together now, this season can be totally flipped on its head. So let's let's get it started against the Ghosts. Um, one last thing before we go, uh, we're not going to go into it deeply right now, but basketball season is coming. Um, you know we're starting to take a look at that. Uh, obviously not going to be forefront on our radar for a little while longer, but that is just something to keep in the back of your heads that, uh, you know, women's basketball is going to be coming back. Veronica Burton already getting a ton of preseason notoriety. Um, you know, won a gold medal with the U.S. team, uh, not in the Olympics, but uh, in, in the pre-Olympic tournaments. Um, you know, she's going to be leading the way for the cats. Uh, that's definitely something to look forward to. Joe um, McEwen got his extension. I don't know if we talked yeah, about that. I, but he's, I, I don't think we did, but yeah, he's going to be around for a little while longer. He'll most likely retire as a cat whenever that is. Um, <clears throat> I'll say this too. Go watch the women's basketball team to watch awesome basketball and also to experience our sweet-ass basketball stadium. And then as you're enjoying that, Think about what our football stadium is going to look like when that finally gets renovated, right? It's oh like my God. the the possibilities, and that was just a refurb. Like if if we end up doing like a gut teardown or something like that with the football stadium, it's just like oh no, that was a gut teardown. I mean, like they oh yeah, that's tore, true. They, they kept tore the that facade down and they tore everything yeah, else out. The right? facade and like the the four corners of the stadium, everything out. It was you know wide, like completely wide open. That was totally gutted. So right. if, if that's what they're planning to do to Ryan Field, count me in the excited category. Exactly. Anything else to mention before we get out of here, guys? Other than that, I cannot reiterate enough that everyone needs to come by our tailgate. Yes. All three of us are going to be there. Scuzz, I cannot wait to see you, buddy. That's going to be good times, man. Yeah. Come come see us. All, again, yeah, all three of us will be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, can't wait to see you too, Scuzz. Um, but yeah, it's going to be great times. So with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Westlaw Pirates. Email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. 
Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us on the west side of Ryan Field flaunting the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scouse by Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.